We've been talking about our mission statement, and we've been talking about that which God has called us as a church to be dedicated, to be, to be involved in, to be invested in, to make happen as we cooperate with the grace of God, as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we have a mission that God has given us, amen? In fact, if we could get that up on the screen, and I'm just going to have us stand up, and we're just going to recite our mission statement together as soon as it comes, because this is who we are, this is who we're becoming. Sorry if I caught you off guard. I asked to have that like right there, like on a... There it is. All right. So you guys ready? Three, two, one, go. We are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will love deeply, serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, live holy, and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. Bible, Bible, Bible. It's all that is. In a way that's specific to us, in a way that God has spoken it to us, we are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation. Amen? You know, I shared a few weeks ago some prophetic words from our beginnings. When God began to lay the foundation for this church, prophetically and apostolically, He began to speak about the very DNA of this place. And I shared some of those prophetic words. And in those prophetic words, the Lord clearly said, that we as New Covenant Worship Center are to specifically go after the next generation. And not only would we go after the next generation, but we would also, it would, it would be like a youth movement. In fact, the Lord said that our greatest impact as a church would be with young people. And that God is going to affect a generation in this city and in this region. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. In fact, I'm going to read this word again. I want to declare the prophetic word of the Lord over us. This church will have enough older people for just enough stability. It will seem to be like a youth movement. For the most part, the greatest impact will be with young people. God is going to affect a generation in this city. He is going to raise up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. Now, some will struggle and say, this church is a bunch of kids. It's okay. That's in the word. It's okay. God is going to arrest a group, a generation that are not going to have to wrestle with conformity to religious tradition. God may emphasize this generation in a way that may may make others uncomfortable. But God sometimes drives the pendulum one way in order that we don't compromise and we fall back to where we were. That's the prophetic word of the Lord to us. 
And so if we are to talk about the fullness of what God has for us, we have to be busy with the things God says we are to be busy with. Blessing comes to our life through obedience. Everybody just say that after me. Blessing comes through obedience. Blessing comes through obedience. Not because you lost a tooth and by default the tooth fairy God comes and sprinkles pixie dust and you get a quarter. Obedience. Obedience to what he says in the Bible and what he says prophetically to us. God speaks. We obey. Reward comes. It's simple. It's not, it's not difficult. God didn't make this hard. He made it very easy. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26, it says, it says, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away Turn from the way that I have commanded you today by following other gods which you have not known. It's simple. Obey God, blessing, reward, favor. Disobey, stinky stuff. Stinky stuff. And when I think about uh, the blessing of being obedient to the word of the Lord concerning uh, when it comes to reaching the next generation, I'm not just thinking about just financial blessings. I mean, I don't know about you, but do your kids have any money? I mean, surely we, we get to get, it's not like we're going to get a bunch of dollar bills rolling in when we have teens and 20-somethings. They're all broke. So that's not the blessing I'm, I'm looking for. Not that I wouldn't appreciate that. Amen. We do need you old people to pay up. <laughs> Come on. You got the jobs. You got the tenure. We do need that. I'm thinking about the blessing of watching the next generation to walk with God. And they prosper in their spirit and in their soul. I'm thinking about the blessing of seeing my own sons raising up and finding godly wives. To raise a family that love and serve the Lord. I'm thinking about the blessings of watching my children not have to suffer with depression like I had to. I'm thinking about the blessings of watching the young people of our church and our city raise up and solving problems in government, education, business, entertainment, solving problems in the media. That's the blessing that I'm looking for. I want to be blessed with seeing our children heal the sick and raise the dead. But I also want to see my children and your children raise up to be a blessing to heal cities, heal nations. I 
I want to see him heal economies. Heal our broken educational system. Heal, oh dear heavens, heal our broken political system. It needs healing. I want to see our children reshaping culture. I want to see them reshaping fashion, music, entertainment. We have got to raise up young apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who will equip the church. But we also have to raise up young apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers of industry. Do you realize that every apostle doesn't work in the church? Every teacher clearly doesn't work in the church. We need those people, those men and young men and women, raising up with a vision in their heart to heal our systems. We have to raise up young men and women who have uh, the authority to bring healing to broken systems and broken people who work in those systems. I mean, that's ultimately the, the real healing. Heal the broken people, and they start to get the mind of the Lord, and blessing starts to flow in that system. You know, I love what Lynn said last week. He said, we must encounter God in intimate prayer so that God can conceive within us the solution to the problems that we are praying about. Have you been thinking about that? Are you praying with the purpose of having intimacy with God so that he can conceive inside of you the solution to the problem at your work? You and I, and especially the next generation, we are the solution to these problems. And God has squarely placed on the shoulders of New Covenant Worship Center the mandate and the mission of reaching the next generation. Which means if God has called you to be a part of this church, God has called you to participate in raising and reaching the next generation. Now, I realize that that doesn't look the same for everyone. I know people freak out. I've heard him. I've seen him. I've watched them freak out when they hear that. What? I know you're thinking, oh, I got to be a youth pastor. Do we go to this church? No, no, you don't. You don't have to do that. Although we could use your help. <laughs> right, Sarah? <laughs> Please. Listen, this isn't a push for everybody to join the youth ministry or flip or whatever. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that whatever we do needs to somehow be connected to reaching the next generation. And I realize that that statement may be uncomfortable, but I'm okay with it. And I'm okay because the Lord prophesied that some people would struggle and some people would be uncomfortable as we emphasize reaching the next generation. So if God's okay with it, 
I really am okay with it. So as we think about raising up the next generation, we have to, com- to keep in mind that this is not going to happen all by itself. Raising up the next generation won't happen just because we made our kids go to church on Sunday morning and youth group on Sunday night. It's failing system. That's all we do. There's no promise that because you and I are Christians that even our children will grow up to be followers of Christ. In fact, in my 20 years of ministry, I have seen quite the opposite. I have watched children who were brought to church for many years of their life, I've watched them walk away from God. Walk away from church, walk away from Christianity. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, I know this is a familiar passage. And I think sometimes one of the mistakes we make is that we interpret this passage as if this race we're in is a solitary race. It's, it's, you know, where a race where I start, I cross the finish line, and then it's over. But that's not the kind of race that you and I are in. The kind of race that we are in is a relay race. A relay race is made up of multiple runners on the same team. Each runner is responsible for his or her portion of the race. And in a relay race, there is a baton. And one runner carries it and he has to hand it off effectively to the next runner. This is a perfect picture of what multi-generational ministry looks like. One generation with one generation running with all the strength that they have as if they alone are responsible for winning the race while at the same time doing everything they can possibly do to make the handoff as smooth as possible. got a clear picture of that does that make sense and here's the thing we are always at risk we are always at risk of a disconnect from one generation to the next the potential to fumble the baton always remains now i want to look at how this happens in scripture let's go to judges chapter 2 
starting in verse 6. Now, what's happening here, Moses had the Israelites in the desert for 40 years, wandering around, walking. They finally got the okay to head into the promised land. Moses doesn't get to go in, and he's got these two young guys who were out of 12, I believe it was, went and spied out the land, and 10 were like, oh, it's too hard, we can't do it, I'm just going to play Xbox today, you know. <laughs> and Joshua and Caleb were like, you're an idiot, we're going to take the land, it's okay, they'll be our bread, these are monsters and giants that are in the land, we're going to eat them for supper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So guess who got to go into the promised land? <laughs> Not the Xbox One kids. The two that said, we're going to eat the enemy like he's our supper. And so here we have this moment where Joshua now takes, he's taken over the leadership of Israel. He moves them into the promised land. Things are going just as God promised. Wonderful, blessed. But then we come to this point in Judges chapter 2, verse 6. It says, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. <coughs> The people served the Lord throughout the, the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Verse 8. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timonoth Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. After the whole generation had been gathered, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. These are all false demonic gods. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asher Torths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to to resist and whenever israel went out to fight a fight the hand of the lord was against them to defeat them just as he swore to them and they were in great distress so going back to verse 8 it says this now joshua the son of nun the servant of the lord died so in case you didn't know we all die Sooner or later, Jacob died in the Bible, Joseph died, Moses died. And the reality is that if Jesus doesn't come back soon, you and I are going to die too. Here's the good news. The death of a godly man or woman doesn't have to be the death of a vision. In fact, we, if we've been running our race rightly, we will have raised up younger people than ourselves to whom we can hand off the baton. And they, in turn, 
will raise up and not only run well, but maybe they're even going to run farther than you and I ever did. But unfortunately, <laughs> history proves that this good news scenario is more often the exception rather than the rule. Although Moses was a very great leader and he did not fumble the baton when he passed it on to Joshua, soon after Joshua died, along with all the other leaders, the elders, who remained alive for a little while after Joshua's death, they fumbled the baton badly. It says in Judges 2, 7, verse 7, it says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. But then we skip down to verse 10, and it says, When all of that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord. Now think about how sad that is. All it took was one generation you know, however you count it, somewhere between 40 and 100 years, depending on how you calculate a generation, we see that the children, the offspring of the generation that had been blessed and privileged to enter into the promised land, already forgot who the God of Israel was. It actually says, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to get a hold of and believe that such a tragic fumbling of the baton could have happened. I mean, you know, think about all of the stories, all of the amazing stories about ex coming out of Exodus, out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. I mean, the manna from heaven and the miraculous provisions, the signs, the wonders, the great military victories. I mean, these events were not ancient history. They're not talking two or three thousand years old. We're talking about grandpa. Great grandpa wandered in the desert. He watched food fall out of the sky every day. His clothes never wore out. Water comes out of a rock. We have a big pillar of fire that keeps us warm at night and a big cloud that's always over us to keep the sun off of us all day long. That's great. Grandpa just did that. Not a thousand years ago. And yet the Lord and his mighty works were virtually unknown. Church, this should be a really stiff warning to us. Because many of us are also eyewitnesses to the very power of God moving. We've experienced the moving of the Holy Spirit in this place. We've had many great healings in physical bodies happen here. 
And in some ways, we've experienced as many of God's wonders and, and as much of his power as Joshua and his contemporaries did. And so, <clears throat> is it hard for us to believe that the younger generation we are raising up could ever stray from the Lord that we love and serve? But listen, we've got to listen to this warning from Scripture. If we aren't careful, the same thing that happened to them then could happen to us now. Our children and youth could easily miss out on experiencing God the way that we have. Unless we successfully pass the baton to the next generation so that we can make sure we don't lose the race. So, let's look at a successful example of this generational equipping and blessing. In the life of Abraham. Starting in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. It says the Lord had said to Abram. At this time his name hadn't been changed. Said to Abram go from your country. Your people (coughs) and your father's household. To the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham, Abram is given this promise that all people on the planet are going to be blessed through him. That's a pretty awesome prophetic word. I mean, seriously. See, the only problem with that prophetic word is that Abraham didn't have any children. And without children, he was never, ever going to be a great nation. Well, God knew that. God's a problem fixer. He's really good at that. And he fixed that problem, and he gave Abraham... A son. And they named him Isaac. So Isaac represents the next generation to Abraham. Abraham has this prophetic promise. And that prophetic promise can only be fulfilled through Isaac. The next generation. Which then passes that prophetic promise on to his son, Jacob. And for this prophetic promise to come to pass, there had to have a there had to be this supernatural connection of generations. This blessing that came upon Abraham, it had to flow from one generation to the next in order for the next generation to receive the promise of blessing. It had to go from him to Isaac to Jacob and on for this to come forth. I love in Psalm 71, verse 18, King David says, Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, 
till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. See, it's on the shoulders of those who have walked with God to raise up and declare the marvelous power of God to the next generation. So we have Abraham years later. And Abraham has this epiphany. He kind of has this awakening. That the promise that he had been given, which was now extended to Isaac, or to Isaac, it could not be completed if Isaac had no wife. Because Isaac needed to have kids. You can't do that without a wife. Abraham knows that. So here's what Abraham does. He tells his servant to go find just the right wife for Isaac. And so through Abraham's very careful instruction, the servant goes off to this town and he finds Rebekah. And Rebekah becomes Isaac's wife. Now, Isaac gaining a wife was not even that was not enough to ensure God's promise would carry on. Because after you get a wife, you gotta make babies. So he had to conceive the next generation. So what do we learn from that? Well, you know, just as Lynn had shared last week concerning prayer, there has to be a conception that happens in order to bring forth prophetic fulfillment. You see, we cannot stop until we have conceived and brought to birth everything God asks of us to bring forth. God's covenant promise to Abraham also required Abraham to be faithful, to be obedient to the prophetic promise. Abraham was required to go through all these steps to partner with God, both in faith and in obedience. Even in the years of much discouragement. Yet, it was through Abraham's faithfulness that all the families of the earth have been blessed. Do you want that to be said of you? You know, another great example of generational impartation and equipping is in the life of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was a prophet. Elisha was this guy who was like, I'm hanging out with you and you can't get rid of me. I'm never leaving. No, you stay here in this city. I'm moving on. No way. I'm coming. Kind of like when my wife goes to the store and all the boys, we're coming. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to have peace and quiet at Walmart. <laughs> I always go, baby, what's the big deal? Just take them. I take them. They're fine. She goes, they're crazy people when they take them. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I just let them run around the store until I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. I open a box of cereal and say, shut up. 
I don't do that either. <laughs> I'm not that kind of crazy person. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so Elijah, you know, he's trying to get Elisha to like, and I think it's a test, you know, like, are you really want what God has? And Elijah's like, no, you stay here. And Elisha's like, I'm getting everything I want from God. So 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 9, and we're at the end of their journey together. It says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what can I do before, do for you before I'm taken from you? And he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Elijah says, you have asked a difficult thing. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it won't. So as they were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw this and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. Now, another scripture. Isaiah 61, verse 7. I'm building a case here. It says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace, you will, re will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. So, this double portion anointing, it is a principle of God meant for succeeding generations. It's a part, it's supposed to be a part of your inheritance. Proverbs 13 verse 22 says this. It says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And listen, a godly provision of inheritance, it's not just physical, but it's spiritual. Each generation should be partaking of a double portion anointing that was passed on to them from the generation before them. And for this double portion anointing to continue on, we have to be committed to reaching the next generation. You see, without godly parenting and without spiritual parenting, we're never going to achieve this. You know, in the past several years, there's been a, a tremendous resurgence of awareness of the importance of fatherhood, both in church and in society. We can see that there is a fatherless generation that's raising up to be psychopaths. And you're not going to get any other result. So there's this resurgence happening. 
You know, I think all the way back to even promise keepers, you know, and the role it played in in bringing in many men and putting them, helping them get into that proper place of being father, both spiritually and naturally. And listen, fatherhood is a key characteristic in apostolic churches and in apostolic ministry. Where those in ministry do not see themselves as denominational leaders. But rather they see themselves as fathers in the house. You see, in in apostolic anointed churches, the role of spiritual father is taken seriously. Because they're determined to raise up the next generation to accomplish even greater things in God than they did. And spiritual mothering is just as important in raising up the next generation. Much of my personal spiritual formation in my early days came through my grandmother, my mother, and a spiritual mother that I had who encouraged me to go hard after God, who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for me. God is going to use fatherhood and motherhood anointings to secure the inheritance for and impart double portion anointing to the next generation. And this means that we are going to have to learn strategies on how to bring prodigals back home. For bringing them back home and receiving them back into the church. That means that we're going to have to be proactive, proactive in seeking and raising up spiritual sons and daughters. I tell you, New Covenant, we're going to be famous for raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation. Psalm 71 Verse, Psalm 78, verse 1. It says, My people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from of old. Things we have heard and known. Things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds but would keep his commandments that's the formula
So what is it that we are to provide the next generation? What are we to provide them to help them move on in to God's covenant promises for them? Proverbs 26, 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. We have to be a people who know how to speak identity. We've got to impart identity into the next generation. And we're going to have to get wisdom in our role in assisting the next generation to reach their prophetic fulfillment. If you would, just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to ask you some questions. What is it that God longs to accomplish through your family line? What role are you going to play in your family's prophetic fulfillment? What role will you play in raising up spiritual sons and daughters? What double portion anointing are you going to pass on? How are you going to prepare and make provision for your spiritual Isaacs and Jacobs to be a blessing to the whole world? I tell you that we as a church, we are not going to swerve to the left or to the right when it comes to raising and reach, reaching and raising up the next generation. So I'm asking you are, you, are you with us? Are you all in? Who are you going to raise up? Who are you going to spiritually mother or father God I pray today that you would impart to us a revelation God of our role as spiritual mom or dad or just natural mom and dad God help us to see What's at stake here? Help us to see, God, what is at stake. God, help us to have an urgency 
to reaching and raising up the next generation, Lord. Everyone can do something, God. I pray, Lord, today that you would begin to download the revelation of how can I be a part. The call to make disciples, Lord, it's in the word to all of us. We don't need a special prophetic word. All of us are called to make disciples. So what younger person than me can we reach? I pray today, God, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we could see the race that we are in and then we could see who to hand our baton off to. God, I ask you that we would not fumble the baton. That we on purpose, God, would run our race as if it was all up to us to win and to prepare the next generation as if it's all up to them to win. So I pray today, God, that you would help us to see that we would agree with you, that we would obey so that the blessing of heaven would come. I ask you, God, to open our eyes and open our heart. Show us the path, God. Show us the way. Give us the strategies on how to reach and and even receive back the prodigals, God. We need your help, Father. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. God, we just thank you for grace and favor. We thank you, God, for the successful generations, the successful times that the baton has been passed. Thank you, God, that it's been passed to me. Thank you for the generations before me, God, who have successfully handed the baton. Thank you, God. But God, we want to pass on a double portion anointing as an inheritance to our children and our children's children. So God, help me, help us to see how to do that, God. We thank you, God, for what you've done, for what you're doing, for for the power and the presence, the authority, God, that you're giving us to reach a new generation. I just pray, God, that as we go forth today, that you, God, Keep them in our heart, God. Keep the next generation ever before us, God. They are desperate and they need a move, God. We need a move of your spirit on the next generation. Please, God, please, please pour out your spirit on your sons and daughters as you promised you would. God, we thank you for all that you did today. We thank you, God, for the power and the presence the river of god i just bless this god this weekend as we go forth and as we remember god those who have served those who've laid their lives down god we thank you so much for the sacrifice that has brought us freedom liberty god we thank you father for those who have served and died who served and still live. 
God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray, God, that our families and our friendships, God, would just, would just be blessed this week.